0: Romans 5. You can turn there. If you do not have a Bible, there are Bibles in these baskets. And Anna Marie would be glad to hand you one. Um, Or Davin. Davin's getting Bibles too, apparently. Um, Who needs a Holy Bible? Romans 5. Romans chapter (coughs) 5. Oh. (coughs) Wrong way to turn my mouth. The the mic's on this side. Um, If you're in the ESV Reformation Study Bible, it's page 1620. Just by chance if you're in that Bible. If you're on your iPod, just search it. Or your iPhone or your Android device. Um. is anybody in the hardback bible that you got out of the little basket who's using the hardbacks okay rock on does anybody know what page it's on yet in those bibles I'm just asking for a friend I have a friend nobody's there yet there's an index in the front that tells you what page Romans is on, and then you can like find five, Romans five. I'm gonna have like 15 minutes to teach by the time you get there. No, I'm just messing. It's okay. All right, so um, please sign up for summer camp if you if if you just think you might go sign up like this doesn't commit you to go but we just need to like go ahead and start getting the ball rolling on that so be great if you could you just put your name down like yes Davin, is this yes it's the houston it's urban surf we're gonna be serving in inner city houston yes is it? you jonathan oh yeah um That's pretty much over, though, so, you know. Yes, sir? 121 in the Hardback Bible. Bible. Man, that print must be really tiny. It's page 1620 in (laughs) mine. All right, Romans 5. So last week, we picked up with our study in Romans. We were in Romans 1 through 4 last semester, um, and Paul just kept emphasizing that that justification or being made right with god right being declared innocent of all the crimes that we committed against god he's saying that justification is by faith it's not by doing good we talked about the fact that your good works can't outweigh your bad and we talked about a dude on death row for raping and killing a girl right just because he's a good guy in prison and he starts to change his ways and give his money to charities and try to do good while he's in prison when he stands before the judge, at an appeal and says judge I would like to get off death row because I feel like all of the good things I've done while I've been in here outweigh the rape and the murder that I've been convicted of we would all say nah like <laughs> just because you like gave a fellow prisoner your chips at lunch doesn't outweigh the fact that you killed someone right um and it's the same with us and god we have committed sins against an infinite god an eternal god and so those sins are worthy of eternal and infinite punishment right no amount of good paul keeps emphasizing no amount of good that you do will ever outweigh what you've already done um in your sinning against god So last week we worked through verses 1 and 2 of chapter 5. Um, We learned that one of the benefits of justification by faith is the fact that it is a passive work. It's already been done. It's in the past. Paul says, since you have been justified by faith, once you put your faith in Christ, it is done. It is sealed, right? Your salvation is Complete right there in one sense. You are justified and you have been justified by Christ. We take no part in justifying ourselves. In other words, our works and doing good things don't get us more brownie points with God or somehow get us a better room in the mansion or or whatever Um, people might try and teach that you get better things in this life by being a better person. Um, That's not true. God has justified you justification was done for us when we place our faith in Christ. Secondly, we saw that we are now at peace with God. We talked about wartime and, and peace with God. We, we now are not warring against God once our faith is in Christ. We are at peace with Him. But the opposite is true. That if we are trying by our good works to get in good with God, that we are actually at war with God. Like, those good works aren't doing anything for us in our relationship to God. They're only acts of war against a holy God. Unless we have placed our faith in Christ. We also learned that access to God has now been granted through Jesus, right? We have access to God through Christ, through our faith in him. We have a relationship with God. And one day it will grant us access to stand before God in our bodily physical form and not be killed by his glory right Um, because right now in our sinful states we would be lying dead on the floor if God showed up um, in all of his glory but one day that will not be so when he finally redeems our bodies Um, so this week we're going to move on to verse three so we got all that out of verses one and two so tonight how far do you think we're going to get Mm, yeah, uh, hey, that was right on. Okay. um Yeah, actually, yes. Good job, Anna Marie. There is no prize. Um, other than... The bragging points. Huh? The bragging points. Yeah, braggy. There you go. Bra- braggy. Braggy? Bragging. Is that a word? Oh, bragging. Oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> perfect. Anna Marie has bragging points now, guys. We can ignore the fact that she's blonde now. Okay, she's totally justified herself right there. All right. Verse 3. Verse 3. Here we go. So, I'm going to start in verse 1 and hit up to verse 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So last week we spent almost 40 minutes on those two verses covering benefits that come from justification by faith. And if you are like me and like Paul, you're thinking wow, what, what more could you possibly say about the benefits of justification by faith? You've already said that it's a past work, that it's completed by God. It's not something that we work ourselves into or can uh, improve upon, right? We, we now have peace with God and we've been given access to the very throne of God. Like What, what more could we want? That sounds like plenty, right? Um, and we could stop right there and he could stop right there and God would deserve all the praise and all the honor and all the glory that we could possibly give him for what he has already done in our lives. But Paul doesn't stop there. He goes on. And he follows that list that we studied last week with these words. He says, not only that. And before we continue, let's talk about that phrase. Whenever you hear not only that, You always expect something like good to come, right? Like when I was younger, I used to go to my grandmother's house, and my grandma, when we were there, she liked to cook a lot while we were there, which was fine with me. That's why I'm fat today. Um, So she liked to cook a lot when we were there. We would have big breakfast, right? Biscuits, gravy, bacon, like um, eggs, amen, waffles, like the whole deal, right? We'd have the spread, okay? And then for lunch, they do big lunch not big on supper at my grandma's house but lunch was huge so we'd have steak or roast or hamburgers on the grill you know something fun so we'd always have big meals and every morning after breakfast was over grandma would already go ahead and announce what the menu for lunch was and so it would go something like this we're going to have roast and gravy And we're going to have some mashed potatoes. We're going to have some green beans, some salads, some hot rolls. And not only that, but I have a German chocolate cake for dessert. Right? And if you're like me, chocolate is sweet and wonderful and beautiful. Um... And it just expresses so many good things about life. Um, So chocolate is good. And and so when she would say not only that, we always knew something good was coming. Or she would say, also we have. And you always knew something. We're not through yet. Like we've gone through this whole list or this great menu. and, And we're about to get something more. And so we always kind of expect that. When somebody says not only that, but. And notice what Paul follows this statement with. He says not only that and then look with what he look what he said. We rejoice in our suffering. Wait, huh? Suffering. Why does Paul set this statement up like it's going to be great news? Paul already assumes, notice he already assumes suffering. Like he doesn't say. Not only that, but you're going to suffer. He says not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings. He doesn't say if we suffer. He simply assumes suffering's going to happen. Not only that, but he uses the plural. He doesn't say you're going to rejoice in your suffering. You're going to rejoice in your sufferings or we will rejoice in our sufferings. He uses the plural, so he assumes that there are going to be multiple times in which these Roman Christians will suffer, and which in turn we will suffer. Now for us in the 21st century American context, we're kind of like, suffering, like we rejoice in our suffering, okay? that. I like that whole we got we got access to God thing a little better. We have peace with God. We we get heaven, right? We get Jesus. Like those are those are all great. Now you've gone on to say something that seems like it's gonna be better and then you said we get to rejoice in our suffering. Today suffering for our belief in Christ doesn't really occur, right? Uh, the closest to it is when everybody like gets upset because Phil Robertson gets kicked off his like multi-million dollar TV deal, right? Um, and so, and, and not to belittle that, but right, like he's he's worth over $400 million and we get all like irate because he got kicked off his TV show for calling something that is sin, sin, right? Um, and, and so that's... that. We, we don't have the framework to even understand the kind of suffering that Paul is actually talking about here. In 1st century Rome, Christians understood suffering because they called themselves Christians. Because they followed Jesus. They understood what suffering was. They were persecuted regularly for their faith. In 1st century Rome it was a cultural practice and a public practice to worship the emperor through sacrifices and all kinds of different things. It was something they did together as a culture. And everyone was expected to participate. Um, it was it was something that happened a lot, and it was kind of like us saying the Pledge of Allegiance together or singing the Star Spangled Banner, something like that. Like, we we get together and do that, and if if somebody like next to you's not got their hand over their heart or something like that, you start to judge them, right? Like, what? You don't like America? You don't love America like me? Okay. Um, so we start to judge them um, for that. Maybe maybe you don't. Maybe you're the one with your hands in your pocket, like being rude and stuff. Um, but but this was much more than just saying a pledge. They would sacrifice. Things They would they would come and worship the emperor of the country. So far, I don't see that as an American practice. Like, nobody's going to the White House lawn and, like, cutting animal throats and, like, praise you, Obama, right? Um, praise God that's not happening. That, that's not happening in America, but that was happening in first century Rome, and it was expected of these people. Well, the Roman Christians, these people who were following Christ, were not going to participate in these kind of ceremonies. And their refusal to participate in these ceremonies put a target on them. Their neighbors, their friends, maybe even their family, people they knew, knew that they weren't participating in the worship of the emperor. And it put a target on them. Not only by their friends and their neighbors and others around them. But it put a target on them from the emperor himself. They were stoned in public. They were beaten. They were burned alive. They were thrown into the Colosseum, if anybody knows what that is, right? And if you've seen Gladiator, you you know what the Colosseum is, right? They were thrown in there and torn to bits by lions. And it was just fun for the Roman citizens to watch these Christians being killed. They were burned at the stake. Under the Emperor Nero, Christians were made into human candlesticks for his garden. They would dip them in wax and light them on fire and let them burn in his garden it was suffering was prevalent in first century rome for christians in america we might get kicked off our multi-million dollar show only to have the uh, tv network come back and apologize and ask you to come back so that they can continue to make money um or your friends might like tweet something about you being a christian or like somebody put a mean post on my facebook wall or something like that right that that's the most suffering that many of you have probably gone through at this point just because you believe in christ um somebody said something mean about you um they called you a church boy or something that that's not even a thing anymore really is it no um i got called that in elementary school how how weird is that, um, church boy? Okay, I'm so offended. It's um, not that hurt. Um, I still carry that baggage. Notice how I'm, how I'm getting it out now. Um, don't hold on to bitterness, kids. Um, so, so like this is the kind of suffering that, suffering that we go through. It's mostly just words. Maybe people talk about us, but it won't be long before our suffering will increase in America. Um, if you watch the news at all, or listen to anything that's going going on around us, right? Um, religious liberty is being attacked in many different areas. Um, Hobby Lobby would probably be one of the biggest things right now that you can see going on. The, the Affordable Care Act forces um, Christians... To partake in a healthcare system, Christian business, Christian business owners to partake in a healthcare system that provides contraceptives, and some of those contraceptives are abortive in nature. And so, what Hobby Lobby has said the the owners of Hobby Lobby are Christians. They said, "We won't do that. We're not going to provide with our money plans that." provide abortive drugs to our employees because we don't believe in abortion we believe it's the killing of a human life and so we're not going to provide those things and so because they're not providing those they're being fined at the amount of one million dollars a day one million dollars a day now no business is going to be able to sustain themselves under that kind of fine for very long now the, the court system is working right now that that case will go all the way to the supreme court um and that will be decided and we'll see what happens to their religious liberty it could be that the court says the government has the right to do that and hobby lobby will cease to exist as a business or the court could say no hobby lobby the owners of hobby lobby can practice their christian conscience and they don't have to provide these drugs that you are saying they have to provide. That's yet to be seen. But many different areas, that's just one where America and our, our religious liberties are going to be starting to go away. They're going to be dwindled down. And many of you, as you grow older, will face different kinds of persecution than you faced up until this point, And persecution that your parents may have faced up until this point so the question is are you ready to suffer christ calls us not only to have life in him and to this great gift of salvation he's called us to suffer on his behalf so that the gospel can go forth many people in america don't have like a great understanding of what it means to be a christian because we don't have to go through all the suffering that others have, have had to go through before us. But the good news in this, Paul says, is that we rejoice in our sufferings. We can rejoice in our sufferings. So he's not just assuming that we get to suffer and just leaving us there, bro. Sorry, sorry about your luck, man. Like you're gonna suffer. Alright. Peace. No, he says you get to rejoice in your sufferings. We can rejoice in our sufferings. Not only that. Not only all these good things that we talked about last week. But you can rejoice in your sufferings. Why do we rejoice in our sufferings? Paul gives us the answer. Look back at the text with me. Back in verse 3. Why do we rejoice in our sufferings? Because... Let's see, where am I? Knowing the suffering produces endurance. Suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. We rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces endurance. The definition of endurance is the fact or power of enduring an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way. In other words, suffering helps prove that you're a Christian. It helps prove that you are a Christian. See, right now in America, we've got like some mega churches, right? We've got all these big buildings and thousands of people enter on Sunday and they sing songs and they listen to a preacher and nobody's like getting killed for that, right? They're not having to hide the fact that they worship God. They're not having to hide the fact that they're a Christian. There are countries in other parts of the world where people are they get together maybe once every three or six months in basements or out in the country where they can get away from police or military and so that they can have worship services and sometimes they will they will study the bible together for hours on end because they don't know when or if they'll ever get to meet again it's illegal for them to carry a Bible, it's illegal for them to host worship services. Now do you think in a country like that that people that are just kind of playing the church deal just in case like just in case that God thing is true, like I better I better go to church and and have my checklist marked off. Like you think people like that are going into basements in fear for their lives? over the Bible? No. They, they don't care. Um, that, they, they'd rather save their, their own life. And what Paul is saying is our sufferings produce endurance. It produces people who are truly and desperately in love with Jesus Christ and treasure him above everything this world has to offer even their own lives. Paul says we rejoice in our sufferings because they produce endurance. But endurance, it doesn't stop there. It goes on. Endurance produces character. Character, the mental or moral qualities distinctive to an individual. It, It molds and shapes who you are as an individual. It changes the very core of who you are. We are the body of Christ. Those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Share something in common. We are his children. And when he gives us his Holy Spirit. By our faith in him. We are changed at the very core of who we are. We don't desire the things that we used to desire. We desire the things that God desires for us. And we desire to be like Christ. but he doesn't stop there endurance produces character character produces hope what is hope we we throw that word around a lot right um a few years ago in a certain presidential campaign you probably heard hope and change right a lot right hope and change hope and change what what do those mean what is hope What's our hope in? Well, hope, by definition, is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. It's a desire for a certain thing to happen. You now, has anyone ever desired for for something to happen that they wanted to happen? Any, anybody? Everybody's had like a hope that something would happen. Um. So, so like bro like goes to the ring store buys a ring and he's dating this really pretty girl and he's gonna take her to a special spot and he's gonna get on one knee he's gonna say will you marry me and he's hoping that she's gonna say i think about it No, no 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 like he's hoping that she's gonna say no, um see which is probably what happens most often um but she he's hoping she's gonna say yes right that is his hope and if she says i'll think about it <laughs> bro looking like a fool right about that time right like his his hope's kind of been crushed right or with you and in, in high school like there's this pretty girl and you just want to take her to the the school dance or you want to take her out to sonic for happy hour you know uh (laughs) whatever the case i don't know what y'all do this cool it's like jackson sonic's like what we got um so so a chick fil a i'm sorry that is fancier right they got the little fresh flower on the table and and he can just pull it out and throw the thing away and give it to her right so um so like hey girl you want to go so like he builds up all this courage he's thought about this like man i've been talking to her like yesterday i said hi and she said hi back and i think she likes me so so he's he gets all his hope up right because she made eye contact with him and he gets his hope up and he's like i think if i ask her chick-fil-a dude who can turn down some nuggets right who can turn down those chicken strips so but so so like he's got his hopes up and he's got this line right like, girl, it's a free meal. You may not like me, but it's a free meal, right? So, so he goes up and he asks her. He says, hey, "So, so maybe you wanna like uh, uh, grab some, you know, some food with me at 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 the Chick Fil A?" And, and she's she says, "What's your name again?" And so. So he's like, my name's Joshua. I'm just, I'm just messing, with, I, because I can. Um, and so, and, and she says, it, no, I got a gift card. I'll, I'll go myself, right? And so, so like, again, you've built up this hope, and it's been put to shame. You feel like a fool, right? Right. Um, And we all have those times in our life when we're hoping, hoping for something. We're hoping that we're going to get an iPad for Christmas or we're hoping we're going to get an Xbox One for Christmas or we're hoping for something to happen and it doesn't happen. You open all your presents. You're like ripping through them on Christmas morning. You're like, for sure they got me that iPhone. For sure they got me that iPod. Whatever the case is. Like, for sure I've got the Xbox in here. And you get through all the presents and you're like what where are the others at there there's another one right like under the no and again your hope is put to shame you had this feeling and you had this expectation and desire that you wanted something so bad and then it just didn't happen it didn't happen But what Paul tells us is that our character produces a hope that will not put us to shame. Verse 5. Hope does not put us to shame. This hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We won't be put shame because our hope is guaranteed the kind of hope that paul is talking about that comes from suffering and from endurance and our character this hope that we have is in jesus christ and it is a guaranteed hope this hope will come through we can wait with great expectation and eagerness and with a desire to finally see Christ. To finally see this world and all its problems put right and made new. And this hope is not like the girl that turned you down for Chick-fil-A. This hope is not like the girl who saw the ring and was like, i think about it. This hope is not like opening a bunch of presents and not... Not getting what you actually desired. This hope is guaranteed to come through. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Why is this hope guaranteed? Because this hope is a very part of who you are. God has poured his love into you. When you put your faith in Christ. God puts himself in you. And God doesn't take it back. God fulfills his promise. He has sealed you with the Holy Spirit. We are now objects of God's love. Remember back in Romans 1? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all people, essentially, is what Romans 1 tells us. And now Paul is saying God's love has been poured into your hearts through the Holy Spirit that's in you. God's love has been poured into you. So now that we can also show that love to others. His love has been poured into us. He hasn't just given us and shown us love, but he has given us his love so that we can show that same love to others. We have been given the Holy Spirit. He's put his spirit in us to mark us and to make us his own possession. And he will come through with what he has promised. And what he has promised is that one day he will return. And one day he will make all things new. We can all agree that this world is broken. Right? Like there's just something not right about this world. Walk through a bookstore and go to the self-help section. And see how many books are there. Right? Lots. Right? How, how, you, can, how you can lose 10 pounds by eating one grain of rice a day. it's it's so perfect how how you can how how you can be better at your job how you can step on all of all of your other colleagues to get where you want to go right like all these self-help things about how how you can succeed in life and how you can be a better person right We know it's broken. Everybody intrinsically knows that this thing is broken. There's something wrong here. So who's going to make it right? Are we going to make it right by our self-help books? Are we going to make it right by simply digging wells in Africa? Are we going to make it right by stealing everybody else's money and giving it to the poor? Is that going to fix this thing? No. No. No, but Christ has promised he is going to make it right. He's going to come back. And God is going to redeem the world. He's going to make all things new. For those who put their faith in Christ, they will be made new. We will finally and fully be like we were intended to be in the garden. We will have no power and no presence of sin in us anymore. That's what Christ has promised. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't, you're like, that suffering thing, that don't sound too cool, bro. Like, I ain't about some suffering. I don't really want to go to jail. Um, Prison Will be the last thing on your mind when you stand before the judgment seat of god a prison in the united states of america is a lot better than eternity in hell reserved for those who have rejected god and his salvation so if you're here tonight and you're like i don't know where i stand with god like i This is the first time I'm hearing any of this stuff. Maybe it's not the first time you're hearing this stuff. Maybe you've heard it before and you're just like, Ah, I got time. I'll do it later. Like, let me have some fun right now. Um, The the fun that you think you're going to have isn't worth um, comparing to the glory that's going to be revealed to us in Jesus Christ when he returns and makes all things new. And I want you to be a part of that. Paul is pleading with the Romans to be a part of that. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Christ is pleading, put your faith in me. Not in your money. Not in the good works that you can do. But put your faith in me. For those of us who, who have already trusted Christ... We now have a call, we have a responsibility to endure through suffering. And Paul says you can rejoice in your suffering knowing that your hope won't be put to shame. Knowing that the hope that you have in Christ is not one that's going to fail you on the last day. The hope that you've put in Christ, it's going to come to pass. Christ will make all things new. And in the end, when he does, the 10 years that you spent in prison because you professed Christ, or the 30 years that you spent in prison, or the time that you were beaten by police officers in your town because you possessed a Bible that's going to be a blip on the screen of eternity. And when you finally and fully stand in the presence of the glory of God, you're not even going to remember it and you're not going to care. We're here to talk about eternal things. We're not here to just talk and dwell on temporal things. Because eternity is what is in the balance. That's what you have to decide tonight. What What are you going to do for eternity? We can rejoice in our hope that it will come to pass and it will not put us to shame. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, your word. We thank you that we know how this thing ends. We thank you that we have hope in Christ. And, Father, that our hope won't be put to shame. There are so many things on a daily basis, God, that we put our hope in. And over and over again, those things fail us. Father, whether it be relationships, positions, the sports we play, the grades that we make, The career that we're working toward. Father, help us to see that none of those things are as important as where we stand with you. And Father, help us to see that those things will one day put us to shame. We put our hope in so many things and we spend our time and our resources. Spend our lives for these idols and for things that will fail us in the end. God, I pray tonight that the students in this room would see that their hope, their only hope, is in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray as they grow and mature and get older, God, as they go about their lives and they suffer for the sake of Christ, that, Father, they would rejoice knowing that their hope won't be put to shame. That one day you will vindicate your people and all things will be made new and we can trust you and that promise. Father, I pray for those who are here who don't know you, who have not placed their faith in you, God, who are trying to just be good people and think that somehow their good works can outweigh their bad. And Father, I pray that you would help them see that that is a lie from Satan. Father, if they can quit working and they can quit running and they can quit trying to be good people and they can simply put their faith and their trust in the good work of Jesus Christ at the cross. I pray that those of us who put our faith in you will be um, great witnesses for you, that the gospel would be constantly on our lips, that we would constantly be sharing with others the good news of Jesus Christ and what he has done on our behalf. We can say with confidence, this world will be fixed one day. It will be made right. It will be made new. And we can tell people we know the one who will make it new. Yes, he sings in Jesus' name. Amen.